All right, before the last podcast with Mike Hill made an announcement that Bose had sent me a few pairs of their QC35s to give out to some of our our listeners. And if you don't know what a QC35 is, it's actually okay. But they are headphones, they are noise cancellation, and they're Bluetooth. They are the best headphones that I have ever purchased in my entire life. And it cost me 350 bucks, but it is not going to cost you that. All you have to do to enter to win a pair of headphones is just head to iTunes, rate, subscribe, and review the Give Me a Sense podcast. And my last guest at the end of the month is going to pick a number between one and however many reviews I have up until that point. It's going to play out like a raffle. As of right now, I only have about 40 reviews, so your chances of winning this pair of headphones are fairly high at this point. So with that, head to iTunes, rate, subscribe, and review the Give Me a Sense podcast, and let's get to it. Our guest, Glenn Parker. A lot of people point to the first one because it's a kick, but we shouldn't have come to a kick. It should have never been there. The second one, the Redskins were better than us. They were a supremely talented, well-coached, well-oiled machine. We knew that was trouble going in. The third one, you can't have eight turnovers all resulting in points and win a game. You just can't. And we got blown out. But that last one, we had beaten them in the regular season. We were winning through half. I knew we had a good game plan. It was working, and we were doing it. And one mistake crushed us. And that's the one that hurts because that's the one that sets your legacy. You win that, people remember you were in three losses, but they go, but they came back a fourth time and won. And now you're forever one of the better teams, if not the best team in football. And instead, you're a laughing stock at four losses. And that to me, that, that one hurts when I look back. You watched them, you cheered for them. Maybe you booed them. You listened to them. You were impressed by them. Today, they share their favorite memories with you. It's the Give Me a Sense podcast. Here's your host, Mike Yam. Well, when it comes to the biggest games of the year, I think most would agree everyone's going to circle that one specific matchup. It's all about the Super Bowl. Our guest, I can call him a friend, a colleague, uh, a guy that is in an elite fraternity. He has played in five Super Bowls, and unfortunately he's lost all of them. But I know he's uh, he's got a good disposition about himself and can smile about it now. Glenn Parker is with us, a third-rounder out of Arizona. He was played for the Bills, four Super Bowl losses with the Bills, and then one with with my New York Giants. Glenn, it is, it is great to... Great to have you on the show. I wish maybe we're, we're look. We're gonna ha- have some fun with this, but uh, I, you're like one of the the few guys I think in, on the planet that can say that they not only played in the Super Bowl but played in five of them. Yeah, you know, we're a, as you said, an elite fraternity and or brotherhood. Uh, very small. I think there's about 16 of us that played in five, and then if you really want to cull that herd, you got to get rid of some of the some of those winners and get down to the 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 meat of the loser, of the super loser, of which I am one. There's very few of us. I don't even know the number, but there's very few that have lost five. Now, the the top guy in there would have to be Gail Gilbert, who played in all with, with all four with the Buffalo Bills and then lost the very next year with the San Diego Chargers. So he lost five in a row. How is losing – I mean, you, look, you played in four in a row. When you yep. get to – the Super Bowl. Take me through the emotions of what it's like to even get to that game. You know, it's interesting. Like the very first one I got to, you don't really know any better. You're just like, hey, here we go. It was my rookie year. 
So I didn't know any better. But as as you gain perspective through years and people dropping off the roster, when you know when you realize that most guys don't make one year in the NFL. Uh, if you take if you take out all the guys that play more than ten, most guys don't make a year. So you the roster just flips itself over constantly. And so that experience of watching guys come and go, you realize how precious it is to get there. You, um, of course, my last one was my second to last year, so it was, there was a good distance between the four and then that last one. So you realize how special it is. The emotions that you start driving to, first off, you're there, but there's no sense of relief because you know you've got to prepare. Uh, I think uh, after you've lost a couple, there's a, a little sense of what can I change? What can I, what can I do differently? Uh, what worked? What didn't work? Uh, I think when you get to, you know, that fourth one, there's guys doing everything opposite of what they did prior in a superstitious move to, to swing the pendulum back their way, the cosmic pendulum to go back so they can win. Um, but in, reality, in, in hindsight, looking back in reality, I, I don't remember. I mean, the losses hurt, and the only time I really remember those are during Super Bowl week when ESPN and NFL Network shows every game over and over and over, and I realize I lost, I lost, I lost, I lost. I just that's when it gets to you. But other than that, I remember the great teams I was on, the great teammates I had, the the great games we played to get there, how successful we were. You can't lose five Super Bowls without playing in five Super Bowls, yeah. and there's guys that would give anything to get to one and I got to five so I I always look at it, that's how I see it I, maybe I'm you know uh maybe it's a little naive or I guess it's Pollyannish I, I think is the term but it's I, I just look at the good yeah, that's the way to do it. I'm, that's a that's a crazy accomplishment. First of all, all the years that you played in the NFL, but to have the success that you had and then get to the biggest game where, like you said, guys would kill to be in that situation. You just mentioned some of the games and right around Super Bowl week when they keep replaying it. Do you watch a lot of the old ones, like start to finish, some of your old Super you Bowl know, losses? Uh, so it's interesting. I had never seen I – I have never seen a film – of a, a complete game film of one of my Super Bowl losses, uh, because it's the last game you play. So by the time you're going into spring, you don't you don't revisit it. You you've already that's it's gone. You got to get ready for the next season. And I ended up watching most of the second Super Bowl after I watched the 30 for 30 on us, and I went back and I found it and I watched most of it. I couldn't get it all, but it, it's weird to look back at yourself that long ago and playing a game and you still I remember sequences and plays and what happened on the next play and how, it's amazing how you are transported right back to that moment I loved it I, I, I honestly I felt like I was in a, uh, a time traveler it was so much fun I might start doing that go back and watch some of these tapes well and that's the second one was against Redskins right against Washington that's correct yeah yeah oh boy good game yeah, uh, I mean, they were such yeah. a good team they were so good was that the – no, the first one you were in was the most competitive one, right? And then the second one? First one, we lost to the Giants on a, on a missed field goal at the end and should have never come to that. We were, a, we yeah. were a better – we were a more talented team and a better team. We were, we were outsmarted across the board, whether it was coaches or players or whatnot. They got us. Because uh, that – Brilliant game plan. That Giants team had Lawrence Taylor. Correct. Had Lawrence Taylor, that, uh, Leonard Marshall, uh, uh, I think Pepper Johnson was in there. OJ yep, yep. Anderson. Yep. So that was a very, a very talented team. 
but they weren't as talented as we were. And what they were is they had a very good offensive strategy to hold the ball and grind it out, and they had an incredible defensive strategy under Bill Belichick to stop us, and we did not change what we did. And I look back at that one maybe with the with – the, most objective eye because I didn't get to play a lot in that game. I played some. I had played most of the year, but Marv Levy did not like to play rookies in playoffs, so I didn't get to play as much. After that, I started every Super Bowl, um, and I can be a little more – I'm a little more subjective when I look at the ones I started in uh, with a little more passion. But that one I can be objective. They were really good, and we didn't do what it took. I'm curious from the LT perspective because – you know, I was young when he's in his prime, right? So, like, now when I look back and I hear people talk about him, they 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 break down just how you game plan. Like, your entire game plan was to know where LT was on the football field. I'm curious, like, how how much truth is there to that? I think if you're talking 1984-85, you know, when he was starting to become dominant through about 1989 or 90, I think that's very, very true. What people don't realize is LT, yes, he forced you at, during that period, which I wasn't in the league yet. I got there in 90, and I, I played against him in December of 90. I gave up a sack to him, I'm proud to say. Um, <laughs> it was a coverage sack. Coverage sack. It wasn't me. Uh, what you saw was – I know I'm, that's where I'm not being objective at all. That was totally subjective. Uh, but what you saw was they had, to, they, they had a game plan for him, but what they ended up doing is it changed rosters in the NFL. You know, everybody, like the movie The Blind Side talks about Theismann going down, breaking his leg, and that changed everybody's thought. Now, the, the thought it didn't change. Remember, there was a guy named uh, Lachey. Jim Lachey was a, just an incredible player. The, uh, he had been with the Chargers and the Reds and the Raiders. He was the most athletic big left tackle, and the Redskins said, we got to get that guy. That guy can block Taylor. Well, sure enough, he could. Then everybody realized what happened is in the league, everybody wanted a Lawrence Taylor. So they all got that guy. And there were so many of them. I remember my rookie year, I played against Dwayne Bickett. I played against Mecklenburg. I played against Lawrence Taylor, Kofor at uh, Detroit. All the, every team seemingly had that guy over there by 1990. So not only did he change the way people game plan, he changed the way they, they built their defensive rosters. And he changed who they had offensively to block him. And then by virtue of that, you go back to the game plan. Now I've got a left tackle who's going to take him, but we still got to slide and help. It changed all that. Things that people didn't used to do. At the Bills, we were always a double read team. We never slid or very, you know, we would slide in certain situations. With LT, slide, get to him, protect. And, uh, you know, that's that was the, I think, it, it's bigger than just game planning when you're talking Lawrence Taylor. It, it had an effect across football. Okay, so you mentioned your team being more talented than theirs in that specific one. And I'm not going to go through every single game, but you played on insanely talented teams, right? I mean, just, I, you just start Jim Kelly right there. What, what is it about, what was it like to be around a leader like Jim Kelly where, where you were really, you guys were in close quarters a lot? You know, Jim was um, kind of the antithesis of me. And I say that because I hear I'm a kid from the beach. I'm very laid back. That doesn't mean I'm not competitive. I don't wear my competitiveness on my sleeve. Well, Jim's from the steel mill towns of Western PA, where you got to prove yourself all the time, you know, whereas it's funny now, it, it's funny to me to think back, 
all the guys I knew from PA were ready to fight at the drop of a hat. I mean, they were, it was always going to be some sort of brawl in their mind that they had to prove they were tough. Where I came from is now one of the headquarters of the UFC and where most of the fighters came from. So I find it interesting there's that difference. I was always laid back. I was so laid back compared to Jim that I think it probably bothered him that I didn't get crazy, out of control, emotional. But in my mind, that's what you have to be because I was playing, I was a rookie and I was playing left tackle. And I was playing right guard in systems where there's a lot of pressure when you're only blocking five offensive linemen all the time. So if I thought if I got too emotional and crazy, you know, that you become unhinged, you become rash and that's a problem. So I think we were very much different in uh, our approach to the emotional side of the game, but I think it worked and we're still, uh, I see him quite often. So I'm at the hall of fame and thank God he's doing well. And uh, it, the interesting thing for me was to be around guys like that, uh, I had been around fired up guys before, but always I always kind of looked at them askance. But that was the first time I was around a fired up guy that was at that level, that good. And there were others like him on the team. So that, that kind of opened my eyes a little bit to a, a new way of playing football. You started early on in this podcast making reference to guys who were superstitious and uh, maybe did the exact opposite they did in the previous year, hoping that their fortunes would change. What's, what are some of those weird things that guys were doing? Oh, it, it could be as simple as last, last year, you know, I, I slept in an odd number room this year. I got an even number room and I was, uh, I, I slept close to the window. So this one, I'm going to sleep close to the bathroom. I mean, it's just stupid things. Or I, I want the windows open now and ice cold because I got, I was too hot last year or I had oatmeal. So now I got to have eggs it, or whatever. It was just, it's just whatever someone can lean on emotionally and, and convince themselves that it'll be different. That's what they do. It's like fans, you know, Hey, uh, if I wear this Jersey, we win. If I wear that Jersey, we don't. And it, it, there's no control there. The con- you control what you can control and the rest goes out the window. So th- there's a lot of that crazy superstition for a few years there. Like when I first got to the chiefs in my eighth year before my first game, I was a little nervous. I had probably eaten too much. I threw up right before the game. From then on out, and we won on the last play of the game. Andre rising, 12 seconds to go. He gets behind a DB. We win. Monday night football. From then on, if I didn't throw up, my teammates thought something was wrong. They were superstitious. I had to throw up. It's, it's just, it's, that's how guys are. They, they believe in that stuff, you know. And, you know, God bless them. It makes for a fun locker room. What, so, all right, what, what's it like inside the locker room? playoffs super bowl compared to the regular season because everyone's going to tell you oh it's business as usual um you know it's 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 a game we know it's a big game but you know we're going to do what we do yet in reality we all know how all eyeballs are on this particular matchup i i gotta think it's different it not only just from what's happening but just the feel of it locker room wise the procedure's the same other than whatever different schedule there is because you have some celebrity singing or something like that, or, you know, they're going to have up with people or, Hey, Michael Jackson's doing halftime. Okay. The procedure is the same though. You get in the same time, you work the same thing, you get taped, you do all the things you would do. There is a subtext to everything though, of the importance of this game. And that it starts in the playoffs there underneath the underlying current emotionally has been brought up. There's an electricity. Some guys dread it. Some guys you can tell don't like the electricity being brought up, and most guys feed on it. It's an amped electricity 
underneath everything else. So everything seems the same, except everyone knows, and it just it starts growing. And as you win and you get going more, that is that's that 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 juice, that drug you can never get again. You can, you can play football a long time and never make the playoffs again, and you'll never have that drug again, that juice that gets you going. And that's that current, man, when you just know. And then when you get on the field, don't let anybody fool you. It's faster, it's meaner, it hits harder, and that's what separates good teams. And that's what I would say with the Bills helped us. We knew how to step it up and get faster and better, and a lot of people didn't, and that's how we won games. Three consecutive uh, losses, right? And then you get into that fourth one. What's the mindset as you look at that Super Bowl and you go, you know what? This is our year. Like, at what point do you say after each loss, you go, all right, next year when we're in it, this is going to be the one. And I point to that no, I, that fourth one just because I'm thinking it's the last one. And heading into it, you got to feel confident after after being there three consecutive seasons. You know, I, you never. there's never a point. I, I can never say there's a point where you say, okay, let's go to the next one because – your business is to get ready to play the next game. So you just, you naturally, when the Super Bowl's over, you take a couple weeks break, you're back in the weight room. If you're a pro, man, you're, you're working. You're, you're putting yourself on the line again to get ready. That last one, I think we were very confident going into. We had played the Dallas Cowboys during the middle of the year down in Dallas and had beaten them in a, very, in a, in a pretty close game. But it was an atmosphere that, you know, we felt would approximate what it might be like on Sunday again. We went into that game against Dallas. We were leading at half. We were running the ball effectively, doing a really good job. We probably should have had more points than we did, but, but that being said, we were winning, and we were winning in a, in a pretty good fashion. And if you talk to Dallas Cowboys there at the time, they, they knew we were winning in a good fashion. There was a turnover for a touchdown that tied the game, and the air went out of our team. I, uh, you, could, you, can, you could sense it. Guys were like, here we go again. And that's when I knew, guys, we, let's pick it up. Let's go. But when that happens, it's tough to get the motor started again. You can tell guys there were guys out there that were done. Do you think mentally is, is how you lost that game? No doubt about it. You know, it was one physical error that led to a complete mental collapse. I would say that forever. What's the worst one, the worst of the losses? <laughs> well, I would say that last one, that, that, uh, that one, the last one for the Bills. Um, a lot of people point to the first one because it's a kick, but we shouldn't have come to a kick. It should have never been there. The second one, the Redskins were better than us. They were a supremely talented, well-coached, well-oiled machine. We knew that was trouble going in. The third one, you can't have eight turnovers all resulting in points and win a game. You just can't. Yep. And we got blown out. But that last one, we had beaten them in the regular season. We were winning through half. I knew we had a good game plan. It was working, and we were doing it, and one mistake crushed us, and that's the one that hurts because that's the one that sets your legacy. You win that. People remember you were in three losses, but they go, but they came back a fourth time and won, and now you're forever one of the better teams, if not the best team in football, and instead you're a laughing stock at four losses, and that to me, that, that one hurts when I look back. Best best Bill in that group that you played with was who? Who? I I would love to tell you that there's one player. I mean, honestly, Thurman Thomas was an amazing player. Bruce Smith's the greatest single defensive end to ever play the game. His yeah. numbers prove it, but I played against him as well uh, when I was with other teams. I'm telling you, that's the best there's ever been. 
Nobody has come close yet. Uh, Ken Holm might have been the, the most underrated and probably the best center in the league for four or five, maybe seven years. Will Wolford, a phenomenal left tackle. Andre Reed, you know, I, I can go on. But Steve Tasker, the greatest single special teams player in the history of football. I don't know, I don't know that there's another guy that can lay claim to that title. Uh, I'd be comfortable putting him in the, the pantheon of the top three, put it that way. Uh, he could play receiver for you, but he, as a special teamer, let's face it, the man was incredible. So there were great players in, at every position, and I, you, I don't know that you could pick one and say that was the guy. I think if, if anything, we probably couldn't lose Thurman. And I say that because he allowed us to not change personnel groups. He allowed us to run our complete offense with one running back. He could be in the slot. He could be offset. He could be in the eye. He could run counter. He could run ride, which is inside zone. He could do all that for you and never come off the field. So I, I would be, And he was an incredible, incredible receiver and screen man. So uh, I think that would be the guy you couldn't have lost. You couldn't have lost that guy. I think that would have been the toughest for us. Glenn, you know I'm a Giants fan, and that, that. that that Super Bowl you played in against the the Ravens is it is it weird because you're wearing a Giants uniform and you'd already been in four Super Bowls wearing a Bills uniform? Like, how different is that one compared to the the, the previous four? It's, it's different. It's probably more heartbreaking because I knew it was my last one. You don't get many yeah. chances in this in this life, and I knew I was 36 years old or so, and I'm sitting there and. We lose, and I think emotionally that one took a bigger toll on me. I loved our offense. I loved our defense. We were in that game, there, and I can look back and tell you there was an absolutely abysmal call at the end of the half where Jesse Armstead took a screen pass for a touchdown. They called defensive holding, a call they ne- never call, ever, and they apologized postgame to us saying, yeah, bad call, but that, that tied the game going in at yeah, half, yeah. and instead we're yeah. down 10, and that Ravens defense, you can't go down 10 to. But we did score on the ensuing kickoff to get three, and they scored to make it 10 again. I was like, all right, here we go. That one hurt. That one hurt because we knew we weren't as talented as they were uh, defensive. Their defense was just so good. You're like, all right, if we can just stay in this game, maybe our defense can win it for us. We couldn't stay in the game. Um, we, we, we lacked uh, enough talent. So that one really hurt me. Uh, but going back, it's funny you say that because that was Super Bowl um, 35. I had played in 25 with the Bills against the Giants in the same stadium down in Tampa. And so, well, the same town. I don't know if it was the same stadium anymore. I don't think it was. But it was Tampa, Super Bowl 25. Super Bowl 35, I'm with the Giants. I'm playing somebody else. And a reporter says, aren't you happy? Don't you, wouldn't you like to see it come full circle? I looked at him. I go, no, full circle means I lose. I wanted to see it go 180. I don't need full circle here. I don't want to lose. I want to win this one. Will? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, Funny where life takes you. Yeah, yeah, which is a certainly wild ride. So, okay, so I'm going to let you go on this. Five Super Bowls, great memories, even though there there's some defeats here. Who's the best? You, you went through that, that Bill squad, and I said, hey, who's the best guy you played with? Of all your years, any team, doesn't have to be Buffalo, who's the best teammate you had? Best teammate. Wow, that you know what? That is a great question because in different eras in your life, I would say it'd be very tough to have a better teammate uh, than Tim Grunhard at the Chiefs. We were very tight. We were close. We talked. You know, we, we did a lot together. 
loved him. And you know who go, goes underrated on that team because he's hated by the media and whatnot. But as far as a locker room guy who stood next to you every day, Andre Risen is one of the better teammates I ever had. Such mm-hmm. an incredible human being as far as being a teammate. So there's that one to throw at you. And, of course, Lomas Brown. Lomas Brown oh, is one of the best. Yeah. nicest, kindest-hearted people you ever be around. He and I were the two old guys at the Giants just having fun together our last couple of years trying to make memories. Yeah, I had a, a I worked with Lomas uh, a handful of times when I was at ESPN, and you're right. I mean, just right. a great, you know. And and Glenn, you're a big guy. Lomas is a really big guy, and you have this vision and this perception of NFL players. And certainly, it's an you guys are intimidating physically because of your appearance and and uh, just how big you guys are. And that guy couldn't have been more of a teddy bear. No, just nicest guy, guy, just absolutely smile on his face all the time. Love yeah. the guy. Love him. Yeah. Good one to work uh, with, let me tell you. Absolutely. Well, Glenn, it is uh I hope hopefully this was fun for you to re- relive some of the losses, even though they were they were losses. Because I know you take it in stride. We didn't even get into you know, that's the football side. We didn't even get into my story. Next time you'll have to find out how I got there. To me, that's the fun stuff. To, playing football. Yeah, playing football. Well, I think uh, look, we can I'll do a little teaser here. You didn't play growing up as a kid. You were. I did you, not. W- I did not play until I was twenty. Is, and look, so that's what we're gonna do. Because I actually would love. You know what I'm gonna do, Glenn? I'm. We're gonna get together. I want to do this in person when we have that next okay. conversation. So that's that's gonna be the uh, the game plan here. But Glenn, seriously, man, it is absolutely fantastic as always to talk with you. And thanks so much for for giving us a few minutes here. Gamer, I miss you. I can't wait to see you again. You have a great one. Thank you so much for having me on. Just so cool to hear some of those stories if you're a football fan from Glenn Parker. Can't thank him enough for stopping by the show. And once again, make sure you continue to subscribe, rate, and review the Give Me a Sense podcast. Reviews have been coming in. Obviously, an opportunity to win those Bose headphones are still up for grabs. The last guest at the end of the month with that opportunity, he's going to pick a number one through as many reviews as that I have. And the winner is going to get a brand new pair of Bose noise cancellation wireless headphones. Continue to get the feedback you can catch me on twitter at mike underscore yam or on my facebook page mike yam thanks again for listening and downloading and in the next couple weeks kevin connor sports center anchor is going to be joining us here on the give me a sense podcast